I love this congregation, is what I'm trying to get to. I made a, a request. I felt like God was leading me so that we could have communion today because of the message. And the deacons themselves probably didn't hear about this until this week. And um, the food and the wine wasn't even purchased until this week because I wasn't led to notify anybody until this week. So that's my mistake. But they smiled and they were a part of it as a family. And they said, okay, if this is where God's leading you, we're going to trust you and we're going to work to honor God together. Uh, there is a group of people that I would like to honor before I begin. If we have any veterans in our midst, I would ask that you please stand just for a moment and be recognized. Thank you. There is one specific veteran that I want to notice. That is Mr. Bob Spivey. He is a World War II veteran. He's still around and kicking. So I'm glad we had tough men like you, Mr. Spivey, to help us. And so we begin. Um, today, we're going to answer a question that we set up last week. And that question is, how do I live a life by faith? And fortunately today, the answer is going to be very easy to come to because we laid a lot of groundwork last week. We covered a lot of material, but in that material, we did that so that we could answer this question. And so last week, we started off by doing three things. First, we defined our question better. We took it, or well, better to say, God took it and he expanded it. He made it a very personal question. He took it from how do I live a life by faith to how do I, a Christian, live a life by faith in God. Those specifics are critically important to how we answer this question. And when we talked about the term Christian in this question, we identified and we were very specific about its context. We called it our identity. Essentially what we want to work our life to move towards. And that Christian identity is characterized by loving God with all that we are, first and foremost. And secondly, loving our neighbor as ourself. And so when we took that idea of a Christian identity, we began to realize that we need a guide to help us to get there. That we can't do it on our own. In and of ourselves, we have questions. How do I do that? Well, we talked about how the, really the only guide to answer those questions along that journey is the Word of God Himself. And so we talked about how if you want to be on this journey, you need to be in the Word of God to lead you to a Christian identity. And finally, we talked a bit about motivation. For most of us, we've grown up in the church and we know we need to read our Bible, but we don't. And so at that point, it becomes a question of motivation. Why don't I read my Bible? I know I'm supposed to, but I don't do it. And we talked about how you're only going to be motivated to be in the Word of God when you need it as a guide. When you need it to guide you along this journey, if you're working towards a Christian identity, you're going to have questions. You're going to come into roadblocks and you're going to say, how do I overcome this? Well, in those moments, you need to turn to your guide and you want to turn to your guide and you're motivated to be in the word because you know that that's going to help you through the current situation. It is going to get you to that Christian identity. And so today, we take one of those questions, one of the most fundamental questions we can have, 
And we turn to our guide and ask, how do I, a Christian, live a life by faith in God? And so all of that work we did makes today extremely easy. So if we open our guide and we turn into Hebrews chapter 11, the author in verses 3 through 40 provides us numerous examples of men and women who have lived lives of faith in the same God that we want to live a life of faith in. And so when we read these examples, when we go through them, two things jump out at us that characterize how they live a life of faith. The first is that they hear Him. They hear God. And the second is after they hear Him, they obey Him. So if you, being a Christian, want to live a life by faith, that's all you have to do. Hear God and obey Him. So, assuming that that's not enough and the fact that I've got more time and I want to hold Billy Griffin up just a little bit, I want to dive in to what does it mean to hear God? What does it mean to obey Him? Because now that our God has answered this question, how do we live this life by faith? It gave us an answer. We've got more questions. We have to dive into it. Well, how do I hear God? And the answer is simple. We must be in His Word. And what's beautiful when you go through His Word, there is a common message that God is trying to communicate to you. There is a common underlying message that He is trying to get you to hear in the entirety of Scripture. Now clearly we can't go through the entire Bible today. But as you go through your life and you're on this journey, you'll be able to read the Scriptures over and over and you'll see this come out. But today we're going to use the Gospel of John. And I will be in John 1, beginning in the first verse, where we are told, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. What's beautiful about this is when you dive into it, we're being told about God and Jesus Christ. The names used for Jesus here are the Word and the Light of Men. And what I wanted to point out with these four verses is simply put, the amazing power of our God. All things that were ever created were created through Jesus Christ. Nothing was ever created that He Himself did not make. Think about this world. Think about the universe. The pictures that we get from space. All the intricacies and the details of the planet that we live on. He made them all. He made you. Individually and specifically. And so if we go forward a few verses, we see in verse 14 of that same chapter, and the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. What's beautiful about this is we just talked about this all-powerful, almighty being, God. And in the person of Jesus Christ, he became flesh. And he came to this world, to his creation. And he was full of grace and truth. If we skip forward two chapters, we learn why He came. In John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world 
that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. So let's recap. Let's back up and look at what we're seeing. So we want to live a life by faith in God. And to do that, we must hear Him. And to hear Him, we must be in His Word. And when we are in His Word, there is a common message. God is all-powerful. God came to this earth in the person of Jesus Christ because He wanted to save us so that we could be with Him in eternity forever in heaven. Excuse me. And He did that because He loves us. He loves you. That is the message that is woven through all of Scripture. And that when you read and you hear from your God, that is what He is trying to tell you. That is the message He is communicating. Now it is critical that we first hear Him for many reasons. But one of them is when we understand this, that this all-powerful being loves us deeper than we could ever understand, that enables us to do the second step, to obey Him. I'll speak for myself at this moment, but obedience makes me cringe. When I was in the military, there were people that I had to obey that I didn't respect, that I didn't trust, and that didn't have my best interests at heart. I feel like each one of us has had a boss or some type of authority figure that we had to obey for some reason or another. And whenever we had to obey them, it just makes you cringe. And so we carry over that idea of all the people we have to obey here. And we apply that to God and we say, I don't, do I really want to obey Him? Brothers and sisters, that's why you must first hear Him and understand that message. This God is the being that loves you more than you would ever imagine. He always has your best interests at heart. And so when you know that, when you understand that, obedience isn't this thing that makes you cringe. It's something that looks more like guidance. A careful, protective Father guiding you through a dangerous world. And so when He says, go this way or do this, you can trust that it's for your good. That it is to make your life better. And so in that sense, obedience isn't as difficult. Similarly to the fact that John summarizes a bit of the message that God wants us to hear. If we look in Matthew, we are told the command that God wants us to obey. In Matthew 22, 37-40, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And we went over this last week, but it is so fitting here. His response is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. We're going to pause there. So the great commandment, the one greatest thing that God wants you to hear and obey is to love Him. He is not asking you to do anything that He has not already done for you. He is simply asking you to reciprocate what He has already shown you. Because He loves you with all that He is, with all that He has. And He proved that 
when He came in the person of Jesus Christ to die for us so that our sins could be born and we could have eternal life. And so if we continue, the second command is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Imagine what this community, this world would be like if we all loved our neighbor as ourselves. These aren't commands that you should cringe at, that you shouldn't want to obey. They are commands that we should be excited about, that we should want to fulfill. But we come up to another question. How do I love my neighbor as myself? And this is what's beautiful when you get into your guide and you come across these instructions and you have more questions, it answers them. If we go forward... And in Matthew 28, Jesus tells us the greatest way to love our neighbor. You see, the greatest thing we can ever receive is the gift of salvation freely offered by Jesus Christ. To know and understand the gospel, to accept it. And so, the greatest thing you could ever give your neighbor, the greatest love you could ever show them, is to share that gospel with them. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Christ is speaking and he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the greatest way to love our neighbor is to go and just simply tell them about Christ so that they understand what he has done for them in such a way that they want to be baptized, that they want to become disciples, that they can make this decision so that they too can be saved, so that they too can have eternal life. And so now, you know how to live a life by faith. It's simple. To hear God and to obey Him. But the journey that we are on is long. Most of us will live this life for years and even decades. And along that path, we will run into trials, into tribulations, into difficulties. And so at this point, there is one other thing that you can do to be encouraged during those hard times. In Hebrews 12, verse 3, we are told, For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What the author is telling us here is to think about Jesus Christ and the great hostility that He endured at our hands, at the hands of sinners. The greatest hostility that Christ ever endured was at the cross. When His body was broken, when His blood was shed, when He was crucified and died. And so... If we go back to our God, how do I remember Him? How do I consider Him in this great hostility? It tells us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we are told, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night which He was betrayed took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is My body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup 
is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The best way that we can remember Christ, especially in the greatest hostility that he ever endured, is to take part in communion. To remember when his, bread, when his body was broken in the bread. To remember when his blood was shed in the wine. And the beautiful part about these verses is the end. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now remember, I told you that this is meant to encourage you. And all I've talked about up until this point is the death of Jesus Christ. So how is that encouraging? Well, Jesus Christ did not stay dead. He rose from the grave. And then He ascended to the Father. And He sits at His right hand until He comes again. So the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one that you put your faith in, that you accept your salvation from, could not be held by death. And that should encourage you as you go through this life to know that the one that you serve, death has no power over. You are under His protection. And so in that sense, true death has no power over you. And also, when you look back to His death, you have to see His resurrection. And that forces you to look at when He will come again in the future. To embrace you, to bring you back to Himself. And so by remembering His crucifixion, we can be strengthened, we can have hope because of what He did and what He will do. Brothers and sisters, I hope that as we go through this communion, you take this time to be encouraged, to be strengthened in such a way that you will not be weary as you continue on the journey to truly have a Christian identity, to love God with all that you are, and to love your neighbor as yourself. At this time, I will pray and I would ask the deacons and Dr. Tarkington to come up to administer the communion. Father God, thank you so much for the great love that you have for us in providing your guide in the Bible. Father, I pray that you would help us to be motivated to be in it, that you would guide us to hear what you would have for us, and that you would strengthen us to obey you. And Father, as we go along this journey, I pray that you would help us to be strengthened and encouraged and to not grow weary until we are back home with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I
Thank you. 